your Bibles this morning, would you turn to the, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, just, just right into the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Lucas and Miranda, good to have you guys here, and brand new Fletcher, just what a blessing. He is, what, about two, two weeks old, something like that, left right in there, his first time here, I asked him. I asked him to uh, fill out a visitor's card for him and uh, you know, get his gift in the uh, entryway afterwards. And it was such a delight to have you guys here. I love the family of God. Matthew chapter 4, what, what we are going to read in just a few moments happened uh, near the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, Jesus here, at the, he had short time before had been baptized by John in the Jordan River, and then the Spirit, the Bible says, led him into, a, into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights of, of temptation, of really challenging times. And, and, and then he begins his public ministry, and here, here, Jesus was inviting persons who would be with him on the journey. Again, we have a, a Savior who, even during his public ministry, was very relational. It's all about connection, connecting with people. And Jesus knew that what he wanted to accomplish, what he would accomplish was going to be happening not just through him, but through his followers. So he's beginning to call his disciples here in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4 verse 18 reads this way, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once, it says, at once they left their nets and they began to follow him. They followed him. He said, come, follow me, and it says, and they followed him. Now, that was a pretty momentous day in their lives and in the whole you know, beginning part of the disciple-making process, but they began following Jesus that day, but they continued following him for the rest of their lives. And some of their story we know, some of it we don't know, but we do know this. History tells us that both Peter and his brother Andrew later on gave their lives in defense of the gospel. They gave their lives for Christ. But before that, they lived their lives for Jesus Christ. Now, there were some challenges, you know, a little bit about Peter's story. There was, and, and yet we see restoration and, and how they finished. They, it, it wasn't just a, yes, we'll follow you today, but he said, I will make you, I will shape you, I will turn you into fishers of men. He's talking, he's introducing, if you will, this discipleship process. The, the thing is, they went, Peter and Andrew and, and almost all of the other disciples except one, uh, they went the distance. They went the distance with Jesus. And, and I am confident that if you were to speak with them, uh, and someday you will, you will see them in heaven I'm confident that if you were to ask them, was it worth it, they would, without hesitation, immediately respond, yes, it was worth it, following Jesus. Even though they faced great obstacles and, and, and impediments in their way, 
tremendous challenges, it was worth it to follow Jesus, their, this discipleship process. But now, so their journey ended a long time ago, right? I mean, the, they, they, they lived and came to Christ and died all in that first century. It's been the better part of 20 centuries since that time. Their journey is long over, but our journey, your journey with Jesus Christ, is still underway. For many people here this morning, at some point in your past, you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It may have been, it may have been in, 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 in some home in Aberdeen or in one of the, the surrounding areas or in another state or in a, in a beautiful island. It may have been a long time ago and a long ways away, but you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, you began to, like these two guys, began to follow Jesus. You surrendered your life to him, but you continued to grow. That's, that's his desire, that we grow in him. And it is God's desire, and I trust your desire, that you go the distance. That you don't just stop partway. I, I want all of us to go the distance with Jesus Christ. Not stopping, not becoming distracted along this journey, but, but going the distance. Not just survivability, but thriveability. Now, that's not a word that you'll find in the dictionary. In fact, I looked it up. I thought, is that a word, thriveability? But, you know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't want to just make it to the end of my life and then go to heaven. I want to make a difference along the way. I, I don't want to just, you know, fall across the finish line, so to speak. I want to get to heaven, and I, but before that, I want to bring a lot of people with me. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to influence people for the kingdom before my life is done. I don't want to just survive, I want to thrive. How do we do that? How do we go the distance? How do we more than just survive, but how, how do we thrive? Last week, last week we saw the essential, we saw the essential of spending time in this book. Making the Bible a daily part of our daily life. So last week, if you were here, um, I encouraged you, I invited you to, to especially if, if, if you were not regularly engaging in the Word of God, um, to last week to read at least one chapter of Matthew each day for at least four days. If you were here, you remembered. I made, I made it quite clear. I, I invited you if, you, if you do not regularly engage in the Word of God to, to just do that, that, that invitation, one chapter a day for at least four, four days. And some of, you, some of you have done that. In fact, if you did that, then you know that the verses we just read are a little bit familiar because it's, it's Matthew chapter 4. That's why I, 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 I started with Matthew. Now, somebody pointed out to me, and I, and I knew this, I just had not thought about it, but one of the staff pointed out to me, they, they said, you, you know that Matthew chapter 1 begins with all the begats, right? All the, the genealogy. If you can make it through Matthew chapter 1, man, you got it from there. You can't, can't lose out on that first one, but, but, but that, that's a good point. If you, if you have been reading the Bible this week, and maybe you've been doing that for a long time, and that's, that's, that's great, that's what we want, but, but maybe you took up that challenge and you said, I will do it, then, then you read this, this last week. Last week, again, I cited an extensive study of 100,000 people, which is a huge study, and, and uh, whose, whose findings 
consistently showed that reading a part of the Bible four or more days each week was the single most powerful predictor of spiritual growth in persons who profess faith in Jesus Christ. That, 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 that if you want to grow in Jesus, if you want to go the distance, if you want to not only survive in Christ, but thrive in Christ, that, that reading the Bible, getting the Bible into our heads and into our hearts is the single biggest factor in spiritual growth. I, I've, I've long said this, and if you've been a part of this church for some time, you've heard me. I can preach a lot of sermons, but unless you are in the Word, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. The power of the Word within us. So, so I want you to just silently, don't raise your hands, but silently answer this question. Did you spend time in God's Word at least four days this last week? Did you spend did you spend some time in God's Word on at least four occasions this last week? I'm doing a little bit of review this morning, and I need to say something that I said last week, but I want to be very, very clear on something. That, that in reading your Bible, God will not love you any more for doing it, nor will He love you any less if you don't do it. Now, that's important. That's important because God's love for you, God's love for me, God's love for any one of us is not conditional upon our, perfor- uh, upon our performance. And, and thank God that it isn't. Because if, his, if, his, if God's love for us is dependent upon our performance, then you would have never been loved in the first place. That you would have never been saved in the first place. He would have never extended his grace to you in the first place because you know what? Not one of us here this morning ever merited salvation. He gave it to us by grace. Unmerited favor extended to us. Sometimes, and, and, and maybe it's in some cases because of how we grew up that we, we associate love and acceptance with performance. You know, if you're really, really good, I'll love you. If you're really, really bad, I will, not, I will not love you. I will withdraw that love. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why some people really get hung up with this because they're so conditioned to think that, that God's love for me is, is, is only there if I am really, really good. So therefore, if I'm not good, then, then, then he doesn't love me. The thing is, his grace is greater than your performance. Now, once we come to Christ, our behavior should change. Why? Because we've been made new. But we can't do anything. So all of that, again, to say this, that if you, if you did read your Bible this last week, he doesn't love you anymore. And if you didn't, he doesn't love you any less. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you did read your Bible, if you do read your Bible, if you spend time in God's Word, you will be stronger. You will be spiritually stronger. You will be emotionally stronger. For there is something in us that was, there is a part of us that is eternal. There's a part of you, that, of course, that is very temporal, very temporary. 
your body. It's not going to go the distance for eternity. But there's a part of you that is spiritual. And when you feed that spiritual part of you, then you are spiritually strengthened. You will be spiritually and emotionally stronger. If you spend, when we spend time with with God's Word, we will also not so easily succumb to temptation. I speak with people often, and there's, there's, there's probably 90, 95% of the time, there's a correlation between their giving in to sin and their time in God's Word. Now, it's not, it's not just, you know, one fix, take this, call me in the morning. There's more to it than that. But oftentimes, people who continually surrender to temptation, succumb to temptation, there's also a corresponding lack of time in God's Word. There's other factors, but that's a big one. When we spend time in God's words, in, in God's Word, we will make eternal differences in other people, but again, because we have been connected in time, engaging in God's Word. There's an example of this, in, in fact, in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, just before Jesus began calling His disciples, I mentioned this a moment ago, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for a time of testing. He was in the, in the wilderness for 40 days. He was fasting and praying in a, a remote wilderness area. As far as we know, there was no other human interaction but the Bible says that Satan came to Jesus at the end of that prayer. I think he also tried to tempt Jesus throughout. But at the end of that, those 40 days, it says Jesus became hungry. In other words, his body had consumed all of the, uh, all of the excess. And, and, and he was particularly susceptible. The, the, the Matthew chapter 4 experience in the wilderness really demonstrates Jesus's humanity. He was fully God and fully man, but it really, we see his humanity greatly there in, in Matthew 4. It's also recorded in Luke 4. But during that time, Satan, at the end of those 40 days, Satan came to Jesus uh, 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 three times and he tempted him each time with, with, with a different thing. Uh, in, in, but I want you to notice how Jesus responded. Satan tempted Jesus in verse 3, and in verse 4, it says this, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and there's three words there that I want you to notice, and it is the, the first words that Jesus said. He said, it is written. What was he referring to? He's referring to the word of God. He's referring to Scripture. When the enemy came to him, he said, it is written. Satan tempted him again in verse 6. And in verse 7, Jesus answered, he said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan tempted Jesus a third time in verse 9. And in verse 10, immediately it says, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. This fascinating interaction. Essentially the same thing is repeated in Luke chapter 4, but I don't want you to miss this very, very clear thing. Two things. First, Jesus had spent time in God's Word. Jesus had spent time in God's Word. Now, Jesus didn't pause and say, okay, I'm tempted, let me you know, let me just hold here for a minute, Satan, and let me, let me go get my, 
you know, concordance and find out where this is. Jesus had memorized, he had read it, he had internalized it, and he had read it, uh, excuse me, had memorized it. It was a part of him. He didn't reach into his pocket and pull out a little mini, you know, scroll and open it up and read it. He, it was so much a part of him during those previous 30 years, he had memorized this. And when the enemy came, he pulled it out and he began to quote scripture. And every time, every time that the enemy tempted him on that occasion, he pulled out scripture from memory. He'd spent time in God's word, read it, internalized it, memorized it. And secondly, he used God's word to defeat the attacks of the enemy. And this is how it very much relates to you and I. Both of these points relate to you and I. Jesus used the word of God to attack the enemy. Every time the enemy came to him, he said, it is written. And he quotes scripture. He, te- he speaks to the enemy the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, it, it contains the the section about the armor of God, the different pieces of armor that are a part of us that, perfect, uh, that, that protect us. The armor of God, by its very nature, is defensive. It repels the attacks of the enemy. But in that reference there in Ephesians chapter 6, it also says that, G, that God gives us the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I don't, know, I don't know much about warfare. Some of you have for, forgotten more than I'll ever know about certain things. But I do know this. A sword is not simply defensive, it is offensive. That if you want to do damage to an opponent, you pull out a sword. You can't do much with a, I'm thankful for the helmet of salvation, but you can't do much with, you can't pull off, you, I suppose you can, but, but a sword is better than hitting them with a helmet. God has given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to attack the enemy. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing. The enemy comes and tempts him. He pulls out the sword of the Spirit, and he begins to beat the enemy back. Why is that important? Because we have been, we are also tempted by the enemy all the time. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you were tempted this last week? How many of you were tempted today? How many, I mean, it's always there. There's a lot of challenges, spiritual challenges around us. But he has given us the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to bring it against the enemy. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're called to do as well. But we cannot use this if we don't know this. We can't use it if we have not internalized it. Your defenses are going to become weakened. You're going to get tired. You have to fight back against the enemy. You talk about spiritual warfare right here more than any other thing. The Word of God. It's powerful. It's powerful. Perhaps you noticed this morning, perhaps you noticed this morning the, uh, the songs that we sang, uh, the lyrics of the praise, all of them were from the Bible. Every one of them. We sang One Way. That was the first song that we sang. It had lines from John chapter 14, verse 6 that says, You are the way, the truth, and the life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, We live by faith and not by sight. Did you know that you sang the Word of God this morning? 
We praise the Lord with the song, Our God. It had words from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can stand against us? We praise the Lord with God so loved. Well, I think you may know where that's from. That's from John chapter 3, verse 16. We finished with the song called Made Me Glad with God-given lyrics from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. He is our help in time of need. And also from Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Do you know this morning that when we lifted up our praise, when these, these precious people stood on this platform and led us into praise, do you know that what was happening? It was making the enemy really, really nervous. You see, there's something very powerful when God's people sing the praises of his word to him. The enemy doesn't like it. Why is it? Why is it that, that, that on occasion some people are just almost agitated when we begin to praise the Lord? Because we're lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ and because we're singing the word of God. Let me tell you something, the enemy hates it. The enemy of your soul hates it. When you sing a song that is, that is from the Word of God, when you sing a song in praise of the Lord Jesus Christ, it irritates the enemy. Glory to God. And we need to. We need to. So there are powerful things that happen when we speak the Word of God, when we sing the Word of God. And there's something else that happens when we get into this, when we get into this incomparable when we get into this incomparable book and when this incomparable book gets into us, and that is this, when we read God's word, we learn from other people's journeys. <laughs> I, like to, I, like to, I like to learn from others. I like, to learn, I like to learn from other people's mistakes and I also like to learn from other people's victories. And when we spend time in the Word, we experience both. Do you know that you do not need to commit adultery to learn its disastrous results? Just read about how it damaged and nearly destroyed a king named David when he took another man's wife. You know, some people go, well, you know what, it's destroyed a lot of people, but maybe it'll be fine with me. And then they, you don't have to go through all of that. Just read the Word and learn from someone else's failure and restoration. You can read this word and you can learn how greed and how deception wrecked people. I mean, absolutely wrecked people like, like uh, Ananias and Sapphira and, and Judas Iscariot. You, you want to see what greed will do? You want to see what deception will do? Just read their stories. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that when Maybe you've experienced this. You drive by a horrific accident. You may have been speeding or maybe just not paying much attention. And you drive by a horrific accident and you see something really, really bad. And, you, and, and then after that, for a while, you just kind of ease it up a little bit. I'm, I'm, I've heard people do this. I've never experienced Yeah. I, right? It's kind of, you know what? 
don't do that. That was dumb. I don't want to experience the horror that they are experiencing. That, that's kind of what happens. Sometimes when I read this book, I go, oh, Lord, don't let that ever happen to me. Protect me. But I know that because we know that because we're in God's Word. You can read about Jonah's disobedience and then avoid suffering like Jonah suffered. We can read about people like Joseph. We I preached about Joseph a couple of weeks ago, a number of weeks ago. We can read about people like Joseph who received a dream from God and saw it fulfilled. And we can say, oh God, you have given me a dream. Let me trust you. We, we know that because we spend time reading about Joseph. If you're at some level of leadership, if you're at any level of leadership, in your job, in your home, in a business, in, 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 a, in a government, in, in society, in so, if you have any level of leadership, read about Nehemiah to learn how to survive the pressures of leadership. How do I get through this? This is heavy. This leadership is hard. You read about Nehemiah. Read about Ruth to learn something about how to survive the devastating loss of a loved one, all the challenges that go with it. How do we know these things? Because we read their stories. We read, their, we read how they made it, how, how they trusted God in the most difficult of places. We, we do that because we're in God's Word. Now, there's one more thing, though there could be very, very many more. One more thing I want to share you about what happens when we spend time in God's Word. Time spent in God's Word restores what this world takes out. Time in God's Word restores what this world takes out. You know, there are many things, there are so many things, and you know this, you know this, you know this. There are so many things that can drain us spiritually. Let me tell you, if you don't know this already, busy schedules can drain us spiritually. I mean, crazy, busy schedules can drain you in your spirit. Unreasonable people, how many can drain us? People that have expectations that are so unreasonable, boy, that'll just, accusations can drain you, can drain us. Past memories, things done a long time ago or not so, they can drain us. Physical pain, emotional stress, the loss can drain us. Spiritual warfare, the attacks from the enemy himself, from his minions, they can drain us. Every day, every day, listen, my friends, there's not a day that goes by, unless you happen to be unconscious for some reason, there is not a day that goes by that there is not something that saps your spirit. Every day. <clears throat> when we, we, have to, we have to recognize, well, that's, that's affecting me here in a deep, deep place. Many, many people, many people try to find strength and restoration in other sources. I know this. People, people cope with a lot of things. They don't recognize that it's not just, it's not just a hit on me physically or emotionally. It's not just, it's not just well, this is stress. They don't realize that it is affecting their spirit. And so many times people try to, to compensate, to find their strength and their restoration in other sources. Entertainment, sports, travel, more money, beauty, adrenaline, the next relationship, knowledge, power, 
more stuff. In, in themselves, most of those are maybe all, they're, they're not necessarily wrong. I'm not saying that we get rid of all of those. I'm not saying that at all. They're an important part of our lives. But in themselves, they're not enough. At best, many times, most times, those things are only a distraction. They can't feed our spirit. I have some things that I enjoy doing, and I try to make it a part of my day off, and I just enjoy it. I look forward to it. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't restore what this world takes out. Only God's Word, in a, in, only God's Word, God speaking to us through His Word can feed us and restore. Now, there are other things as well, and we'll, we'll look at those in coming weeks. But, but, but God's Word, more than any other, feeds us and restores us. Again, when Jesus was tempted that first time by Satan, there in early parts of chapter, chapter 4, Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was he saying? He was saying there is a, there is a physical part of us that needs bread, but there is another part of us, I'm paraphrasing of course, there's another part of us that needs only what God can give us. And so often, we only we try to fix the spiritual part with the physical part. And it never cuts it. It never works. God's Word restores. I know this. I've experienced it. There have been times when I feel so spiritually depleted so many times, more than I can ever count. And, and, and the, the, the place that I find more restoration than any other place is me alone with the Word of God and God speaking to me and refreshing me and restoring me through His Word. It does what no family member, no pastor, no counselor, teacher, or friend could ever do. I'll tell you what, there's, 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 no, there's no alternative better than this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've surrendered your life to Him, this is what's going to put in what this world takes out. Let's put up this next picture. Wow, oh, that's a good-looking picture. I like that. I have to tell you, my wife makes an amazing, my wife makes an amazing beef stew. Um, she, she really does. I mean, I could write poetry about my wife's beef stew. It's that good. It's that good. I thought about having her make some, you know, put it in like a thermos type thing and, and pouring it out, but then I thought it would be too much of a, of a distraction for me, distraction for me, you know, the smell of it and so forth. She, uh, she takes uh, quality pieces of, of beef, uh, uh, lots of of really good healthy root vegetables and and onions and garlic and, and a few other things and some just the right spices and she puts it all together she she uses she makes this broth that would make the, like the stew hall of fame if there is such a thing and this broth i could just i could just i could i could have this broth three times a day i just absolutely love it she makes it about four or five times not nearly enough she makes it about four or five times a year when she makes it when my wife makes it I, I, I walk in the door at night 
And, and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's 8 o'clock, sometimes it's 7, you know, sometimes it's 6. But, but I walk and she knows when I'm coming home or I call her and I just, you know, turn it down a little bit or whatever. And, and I walk in the door at night and I, and I smell it and I tell you, it just, it just makes me feel better. Right? How many know what I mean, right? You, it's your favorite food. And you, I just walk into the door and I, I, there's the hallway there and then the kitchen. And I just, I, it, oh, it just makes me feel better. Is anyone getting hungry right about now? Anyone else? That's why I put the illustration at the end of the sermon, right? But I want you to notice, I just said, it just, it, it makes me feel better. It makes me feel better. But just smelling it doesn't actually make, make me any better. It doesn't make me better. It just makes me feel better smell of it to be better <laughs> to be better i have to eat it and i and i do so willingly for for only when good food only hear me only when good food is inside us does it nourish us and make us better it's only when the good food gets inside of us that it makes us stronger, that it makes us healthier, that it actually transforms us. That's what good food will do. Now, you're probably ahead of me on this. Some people only hear the Word of God. And they hear someone quote Scripture. And they hear someone talk about the Word of God. Sometimes, some people, they just get a whiff of it. Somebody, some place of prominence, they, for their own purposes, pull out a scriptural reference, use it, sometimes misuse it. And people get a little whiff of something. Oh, that was, that was kind of good. <laughs> Or, that was interesting, or never smelled that before, but I, I kind of like it. Some people just get a whiff of Scripture. Some, some get just a little bit of a taste every now and then, so to speak. They just kind of dip a spoon into the broth, and they pull it out, and they, and they put it in their tongue, and they go, mmm, that tastes good. And fail fail to sit down with a bowl of it with a big spoon and start bringing it in. When we consume, when we, when we, get, when we get past Matthew chapter 1, and Matthew chapter 1 is good, there's good stuff there, there really is. But when we begin to consume this, when we get it inside of our hearts and our minds, it makes a powerful difference in our life. It nourishes me. I don't just taste it. I eat it. And it changes me. It changes you. More than any other factor, it will make the difference in our going the distance. You want to go the distance? You want to serve Jesus all your life with a passion that is going to make a difference not only in you but in someone else? Get into God's Word. Get into God's Word. There's no, there's no alternative to it. So I'm not a very good reader. 
Well, they have these wonderful things called, called audio Bibles. I, I may have shared this last week. I, I, I was driving this last week, and I just I turned everything else off. I don't listen to a whole lot anyway. Because listening to talk radio just makes you angry. So, so you, so I'm listening to the Word of God, and and, and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm just, I'm, I'm eating stew going down the road at, 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 at the at the at the at the at the rate of speed at that where it's posted. <laughs> it's true. I, I don't. It's power. So so okay. I'm not a read. Do it. Get it. Get the word. Sometimes you may have to roll it back and, and, and listen to it again. <laughs> there are times when I'm reading the Word of God, and I only get the one chapter, maybe two chapters a day, and, and I'll have to go back and I'll read it again, and I'll go, oh, that was good. Feed me, Lord. Feed me, Lord. I need it. I need it. I have to make a couple of corrections, uh, one correction. Last week I mentioned, I told the story at the end of the message, I told the story about Dale Moulton. Some of you remember Dale. He died many, many years ago now. And how he, uh, I said that he had read the Bible through, he, he was a guy that worked on the railroad. He, he had a, a small ranch and he had like five or six daughters. So I mean, the, the guy had no time on, spare time. But he read through the Bible, I said, 42 times. I was wrong. I was wrong. Somebody who knew the exact number came, contacted me and, and, and it wasn't 42, it was 52 Some people who love Jesus have not read it through once. And they wonder why they feel so just drowned. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not into guilt. I'm just saying that you want good food, eat it. You want spiritual food, eat it. Some parts are tastier than others, but I'll tell you what, you start developing a taste for this, and, and you, you, you it, it's not, oh, I've got to check the box today. You won't want to go a day without this, because it's powerful. You know, we have, we have a lot of Gideons in our church. We have a lot of Gideons in our church. Um, Gideon's ministry distributes Bibles. And, and, and uh, in fact, I was talking with, uh, with one of our Gideons just a few days ago, and he told me about, he told me about, uh, how they had just come back that day from uh, uh, a school, uh, an elementary school, and how 91, is, this, is, this is a high number, 91% of the students took Bibles. I love to hear that. 91 students received that little pocket testament. I love to get the Word into people's hands. At the Care and Share giveaway, just a, a few weeks ago, we always give away uh, te- uh, not not testaments, sometimes gospels. We 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 give away. Uh, we've given away. We've given away uh, here. Not only the giveaway, but also here at the church, we've given away uh, many many Spanish Bibles. This is a Chinese one. We we have these on hand. We give to people. This is the Gospel of John in Chinese. The Word of God. Uh, we've given it away in Korean. We 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 the we need to get some plowing ones. So we can give to people. So it's really important to get this in people's hands. But let me tell you something. It's it's even more important to take it from our hands and put it into our heart. So if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. But that's only part of it. 
Because if all we do is we take it and we put it on, it's good that we have a Bible and we need to get Bibles to people that don't have them. But the most important thing is that we spend time in it. I can give you a great recipe, but unless you cook it, right? You can have a wonderful recipe book, but it's even better to make it and eat it and be sustained by it and strengthened by it. People are busy. I know that. I know. Confession. I preach on this this last Sunday, right? I encourage. Hey, Monday morning starts at 4 o'clock. Now, I'm usually an early riser, but that's just a little bit. That's about 45 minutes before I usually get up. I was interrupted. A text came in. I had to deal with it. I hit the ground running at 4 o'clock in the morning. I went straight through. I had a bunch of meetings. I had a bunch of tasks. I did not stop until, what, 10 o'clock? I think I left here close to 10 o'clock. We had the men's thing. I'll tell you what, it was all I could do to drag my carcass home and crawl into bed. Woke up the next morning and I realized, I just told these people, I asked them to read the Bible and I didn't read the Bible on Monday. Confession. But I didn't go, I didn't go, I didn't miss Tuesday because I need it. Not because I'm a preacher. Not because I'm a pastor. Because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I want to finish strong. Because I want to go the distance. Because I don't want to be pushed around by the enemy. So this morning, I'm going to give you the same challenge today that I gave you one week ago. And that is, if you are not consistently in the Word of God, I want to ask you, I don't care how busy it is right now. I do care that you're busy. But it doesn't matter how busy you are right now. I want you to spend just a few minutes every day and, and get some really good food. And get it into your head and into your heart and live it. And I'll tell you what, you want to you be transformed, get into God's Word. You want to go the distance, get into God's Word. You want to make the difference when people around you, before you, you, you show up in heaven yourself, get into God's Word. Stand with me, would you please? I've given you the challenge. And now, here's what I'd like you to do. We did it last week. I want you to take your Bible in your hand, if it's, if it's on your... If it's on your smartphone, go ahead and grab that. If it's on another device, go ahead and grab it. Just hold it in your hands. You say, I got a Bible on my phone? Yeah, it's a free app. Download it. I mean it. Do it. Put that Bible in your hands. I want you to hold it. This thing does not glow in the dark. It doesn't make any, it doesn't, it's not going to, it's not going to do anything on your shelf. But I'll tell you what, you get it in your heart and it'll make a huge difference. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. I thank you for the Bible that we hold in our hands. I thank you for that Bible that is on that nightstand or that, that end table or on that shelf at my home. I thank you for it, Lord. But I pray that this book would be a part of my life, that I would spend time in your word. And I pray, Lord, that when I go into your word, you will speak to me and you will comfort me And I pray this for every person here, Lord, that you will speak to us, that you will comfort us, that you will correct us, that you will encourage us, that you will direct us, that you will speak so clearly through your word that there will be times where it almost seems three-dimensional, lifting off the page. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. We don't have all the answers, but I know that you do. I don't know the things that are ahead in my journey, but I know that you've given me the map. You've given me the guidebook. You've given me the instruction manual. 
God, may we be people of your word. Change us, we pray, and we thank you. Now, Lord, as we leave this place in a few minutes, may the, may the, the words that I have spoken be quickly forgotten, but may the words that you've spoken to our hearts by your Holy Spirit through your word, may that be carried with us, come back to us again and again and again. Challenges that are ahead in this week, the temptations that are ahead in this week, the, the victories that are ahead in this week, Lord, it's all going to be closely connected to what you do in us through your word. And we thank you. Your blessing upon us as we leave this place now. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. If you believe in him, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word.